Jesus. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Metro Praise International. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, so it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm Pastor Berta, one of the pastors here on staff. We want to welcome you to MPI Church. If we can please stand as we get ready to worship. Excuse me with the mic there. I think the battery's out. Who's excited to be here? Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate your presence here. We like to start our every single morning with a testimony. This morning we got our brother, Jose Riesco. Let's give him a hand as he comes up. All right, guys. Thank What's up? Got it. Hey, I just want to say thank you for everyone who comes here, man. I love being in the house of God. There's nowhere on Sunday or any other days that I'd rather be than with fellow brothers and sisters. Amen. And I want to share this verse with you to see... You could see and be assured if you follow Jesus Christ. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. So this is what Jesus said in Matthew 4.19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Here's how you know if you're following Jesus. Here's how you know. You want to know if you're saved following Jesus? Here's a, something that will happen. You will be fishing for people. You will be winning souls for the kingdom of God and making disciples. Amen. So you say you're a Christian. This is how you're going to know. Be assured if you fish for people, you win souls for the kingdom of God and you make disciples. Man, you're following Jesus. Amen. Does that make sense? Here it is. You follow Jesus, you fish and win souls. If you don't follow Jesus, you're not doing that. Amen. That's just the truth. Be encouraged to win souls. If you're not winning souls for Jesus, start doing it today. Start doing today. Start preaching the gospel. Come to the life groups at Metro Praise International Church. You come early, they go preach. Even before Bible study. Come Thursdays. Come Saturdays. We preach the gospel. Win souls. Amen. Come follow Jesus. So that's what he says to you today. That's what I said to you today. The spirit in the church. Come follow Jesus and fish for human beings. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, oh God. I thank you you said everything's going to fade away, the heavens and the earth, but your word will live, will endure forever. And this is what you said, to come follow me and be fishers of men. I pray for everybody here to follow you, Jesus, and to be fishers of human beings. In Jesus' name, yes. amen. Hallelujah. Let's get ready to worship God today. He is good and worthy to be praised.
nothing's gonna hold me back nothing's gonna hold me back nothing's gonna hold me back my chains fell off my heart was free i'm alive to live for you i'm alive to live for you Amazing love, how can it be? You gave everything for me. You gave everything for me. Everything. You washed my sin. You washed my sin and shame away. The slate is clean, a brand new day. Free now forever. Now boldly I Approach your throne to claim this crown through Christ my own. Yours now forever, nothing. And nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. My chains fell off, my heart was
I want to do that bridge again that I'm free to live, I'm free to give, I'm free to love you, Lord. I'm free to live, I'm free to give, I'm free to be, I'm free to love you, I'm free to live, free to give, I'm free to be, I'm free to love you, free to live. children of God if we seek to follow you and we desire to serve you we are no longer children of the devil but we are children of God God we love you so much in this place and I pray that every person here would know their identity is in you and nothing else hallelujah Jesus we are your sons and daughters coming before our King, receiving your impartation, the nations are offering, sing it out, we are
take a moment to just let the Lord just work through this place and speak to your hearts today. It's not just about singing songs. It's about letting God rest in you. You resting in God. As the Lord says, be still and know that I Take a minute and let that word soak in. The giver of life is speaking to you and to all of us that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
and you can always count on him when you can't count on anyone else, when everyone leaves you behind, he's still there. Wait on the Lord and seek his face and he draws near. I want to do that part that says, I will be here waiting for you. And I want you guys to just really get that into your heart. Let it settle deep. And that way you can carry that, that verse all through your week and say, I'm here waiting for you, God. Jesus. We thank you, God, that nothing separates us, Lord. Nothing can tear us from the grip of his might. Wow. And it's waking 
This love so deep, oh God, we wait for you. This love so deep, oh God, we wait for you. This love so deep, oh God, we wait for you. This love is deep, this love is wide, and it covers us. This love is fierce, this love is strong, yet it's furious. This love is sweet, this love is wild, yet it's waking us alive. Oh, this love is deep, this love is strong, yet it's furious. This love is sweet, this love is strong, yet it's furious. This love is sweet, this love is wild, and it's waking us alive. Sing it out one more time, yeah. His love is deep, his love is wide, and it covers us. His love is fierce, his love is strong, and it's furious. His love is sweet, his love is wild, and it's waking hearts to life. His love is deep, his love is wide, and it covers us. His love is fierce, his love is strong, and it's furious. His love is sweet, his love is wild, and it's waking hearts to Hallelujah, Jesus. If you guys could lift up your hands all across this room, come on. Let's sing that solely one more time. His love is deep. Come on. His love is deep, his Lord, we thank you for your love this morning. We thank you for your love, O oh God, that saturates us with your presence. We thank you for your love, O oh God, that has washed us white, clean like snow. We thank you for your love that covers us, O oh God, that allows us to come into your presence, that welcomes us as sons and daughters. We say thank you today, Jesus. We thank you for this wild love. We thank you for this fierce, strong love, O oh God. We bless your name today, Jesus. You are glorious. You are awesome in this place. We love to worship you. We love to give you glory. King of kings and Lord of lords. You are awesome in this place. You are awesome in our lives. You are awesome in this nation. You are awesome in our city. And we lift you high. We lift your banner high. And we say, Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Invade this land, oh God. We love you, Jesus. Church, I want us to turn to our attention, turn our attention to pray for people in our life that we know that do not know Jesus. So if you could keep your hands lifted high, I want you to lift up three people that you know in your life that are not saved today. Whether it's a parent, 
a sibling, aunts or uncles, cousins. Come on, lift up your voices. Be specific. Lift up three specific names. It could be a neighbor, a co-worker, somebody who's been in your life even just a short time. Those who went evangelizing yesterday, if you witnessed to somebody and you know God was ministering to them, pray for them. Call them out by name. Let's storm heaven right now. The people in your life, you may be the only one shouting out their names to heaven saying, Jesus, save them. You be the one. You be the one that's storming heaven saying, God, have mercy on them. God, have mercy on them. Stretch forth your hand to save them. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And it's our responsibility to intercede for them, to lift up their names before heaven. Come on, keep pressing in, guys. We've just started. Come on, lift up their names. Shout out their names to heaven. Say, Jesus, save them. Lord, save Vicki, oh God. Save Vicki. Have mercy on her, Jesus. May she come to know you, the author and giver of life. Save Nick, oh God. I pray, oh Lord, that you would minister to him right now. Arrest him in the spirit wherever he is. That he would know you as Lord and Savior, oh God. Jesus, I pray for my friend Diana. I pray, oh Lord, that you would save her, that you would humble her. That she would see her need for a Savior. Come on, guys, keep pushing through. May they see Jesus. Double loose them and let them go. Unblind their eyes right now. Jesus, I pray for your power to touch them. Arrest them all in the spirit right now. May they see what we have. May they see that we know you, oh God. May we be an example to them of true faith, of what true Christianity looks like as we love God and love people. Saturate them, oh God, right now with your presence. Have mercy, oh God. Have mercy on our co-workers. Have mercy on our family members who keep rejecting you. God, we pray for all of our siblings, extended family, parents, oh God, that don't know you. Jesus, we ask for souls to be saved. We need you to save our families. We are desperate for you to move, oh God, for us to see a transformation in our home, oh God. We believe, oh God, that when you saved us, that you promised our whole household could be saved. And we ask, oh God, that that be possible, that they would humble themselves before your mighty hand so that you could lift them up, oh God. Let's sing your kingdom come. God, we need your kingdom to come to this earth, that your righteousness, peace, and joy would rest on this land, would rest in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our cities. Come on, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus, have your way in Chicago. Let your kingdom come to this city. Let your kingdom come to America right now. Let the spirit of unity and of peace unite our hearts again, oh God, for your cause, for the cause of your kingdom, for the cause of your righteousness, your peace, and your joy in America, oh God.
we ask that your kingdom would come to this earth. May we be the hands and feet of Jesus. Lord, we are a city on a hill. We will not hide our light. May we shine bright for you in this community, this neighborhood, and all the neighborhoods that we represent. Jesus, use us to be your mouthpiece. Use us to be preachers of the gospel so that all could hear and that all may know, God, that you came to save us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. He is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. You guys can look to your neighbor, give them a high five or a handshake. Welcome them. Let them know that you're so excited they, they came to church today. You guys can be seated. Welcome, everybody, to Metro Praise International. If this is your first time here, thank you for joining us. At this time of the service, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. My name is Nancy Y. Rostick. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And on behalf of all of the leadership, we're so thankful that you came. The reason why we like to... Uh, open up the rest of the service with a gospel presentation is because we want everybody that comes through these doors to know the simple message, the good news that Jesus came to save you, that he made a way for you to have eternal life if you would believe and give your life to him. So in John chapter 3, verse 36, it says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. I want to let you know today a serious message. Although this is good news, it's also a very serious news because when you reject the Son of God, when you continually reject Jesus as your personal Savior and do not want to live your life for him, the Bible says very clearly that God's wrath remains on you. It is only through, through Jesus Christ as your Savior allowing him to wash you clean by the blood that he shed on Calvary, accepting that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Until you do that, God's wrath remains on you. Only through Jesus do you have eternal life. And the Bible says we receive that eternal life through being born again, being born again of the Spirit. The Spirit of God breathes into you, and you become alive on the inside. If you did not know that you were born with a dead spirit, now you know. You were born with a spiritual dead life. You are spiritually dead without Jesus Christ. And when you come to him and you confess your sin and you say, Jesus, I'm choosing your way. I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I submit my will to you. I'm going to follow your commands. I'm going to lay my life down, and I want you to forgive me of my sins. Make me born again. Breathe new life into me. He makes you alive on the inside. So with all eyes closed all across this room, if this message is for you, you cannot keep rejecting Jesus and expect God's wrath to not remain on you. You must receive eternal life today because you're not promised tomorrow. None of us are promised one more day. Get right with God. I charge you today. Get right with your maker today. Lord, I thank you for every single person in this room. I ask, oh Lord, that your conviction would fall on hearts today who have been playing games, who are backslidden, or who keep rejecting your message, keep rejecting this truth. Or for those who are hearing it so clearly for the first time, let your conviction fall. 
Lord, your word says that it is your loving kindness that draws all men unto repentance. I ask that through your conviction that your loving kindness would draw them to repent today and get right with the living God so that your wrath could be taken off and that we could experience your righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Lord, save souls today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You guys can stand up to your feet. We're going to have prayer workers right here at the front, Jessica and Salvador, our awesome elders in the church. They would love to pray with you. If you want to get right with God, I want you to come and see them during our fellowship time in just a few moments and receive prayer. They'll also show you how you can get plugged into the church, get discipled. We're not here to leave you high and dry to go figure it out how to live for Jesus by yourself. We're here to walk through this journey of life with you so that you could accomplish and become all that God has called you to be. We're going to confess our confession of faith at this time. This is our Christian worldview. And no greater time in our lifetime is it so important for us to understand a Christian worldview. Everything that is happening in the world around us must be seen through this lens, through the lens of God's word, through the lens of scripture. And we filter everything in life through this. So let's recite this together on the count of three and join our brothers and sisters in the Lord all throughout the world. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. And the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! Take some time, fellowship, give somebody a hug or a handshake. Welcome to Metro Praise.
Welcome, welcome. Who's excited they came to church today? Make some noise. Come on, act like you're excited that you're here. Awesome. Welcome once again to Metro Praise International. If this is your first time here, please keep on coming back. And let's all remember to keep inviting our friends and our family, even if they keep rejecting the invitation. Find new ones to invite and keep inviting the same ones because we believe for God to fill this house so that all could hear the gospel. Amen. Our service is here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. So we have King's Kids in the back for our children, infant to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. for students 11 to 18. This is our youth group. We have an amazing youth team just reaching out to the teenagers in this community and pouring into the ones that we have. And God is raising up an awesome remnant in this generation. So we're so excited about what God is doing in our youth ministry. Want to let you guys know about our MPI app. If you haven't been here this month, we're going to keep announcing it to you guys. This is a new way for you guys to keep in touch with everything that we have going on. All the information is still on our website. This is an easier way to get the devotionals, 365-day devotionals that we have the Disciples Giving Book lesson every week. You can also give your tithes and offerings through this app. Very convenient and easy way to give. Our sermon player is on this app, so all the messages that get preached on Sunday will be available for you to listen to again by Tuesday so that you guys can be encouraged by the word throughout the week. So if you haven't downloaded it yet, do it. It's awesome. Use it. It will really bless your life. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is what? Nobody's paying attention. What is our vision? Loving God and loving people. That is our vision. The two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. That is how we want to live our life. That is what we want to be known for and Metro Praise. Loving God and loving people. And our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. First, we want to connect you to the cross through the church, connected to our life groups. If you haven't found a life group, we want you to connect to the life groups. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism, to keep preaching the gospel to the lost in this city. And then our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. So look to your neighbor and say, get connected. If you have not connected yet, I want you to turn your hand out around. You'll see the schedule for all the life groups that we have available for this quarter, January, February, and March. I want to encourage you, find a life group to connect to with your family. Here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. Kicking it off today, we have our single moms meeting, 530 here at the church. Child care is always provided. God is doing awesome things in their lives. Then we have Tuesday, Encounter Prayer Night. Who's excited about Encounter Prayer Night? Come on. Once a month on Tuesdays, we gather together that pray, worship, interceding. God does amazing things. So if you've never visited yet, please join us this Tuesday at 7 o'clock here at the church for a powerful time in the Lord's presence. Wednesday, we have King's Kids uh, here at the church, 630 uh, Royal Rangers Boys Club Impact Girls Club. It's for infant to 11 years old. God is doing awesome things. So if you have children in that age group, you want them to be here on Wednesday nights because that's their way of getting discipled. And, you know, they earn their badges in the club. And it's just an amazing time. We have wonderful children's workers. Then Thursday, we have our gang outreach, 7 p.m. meet here at the church. Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's house, the other one at the Vivitz. 7 o'clock, if you're 
18 years or higher, please go there. That's where you want to connect throughout the week, get encouraged through the word of God and fellowship. And then Saturday we have the ambassadors. Youth Life Group, that's good. You get excited about that Ambassadors Life Group. 11 to 18 years old, 1 p.m. here at the church. They're rocking it out. They're having fun. Now, we want to mentor you. We believe very strongly in evangelism and discipleship here, if you cannot tell. But we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Our 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. This is done one-on-one with a leader in the church who's going to pour into you and really teach you how to live for Christ and accomplish his purpose for your life. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. And this is our leadership training class. This is where we train you to be a leader one day so that you could be appointed to be a deacon or an elder and fulfill God's call on your life for the kingdom of God here through the church. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. We believe in evangelism every Saturday from 5 to 8. They hit the streets preaching the gospel to complete strangers, letting them know that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if you've never done it, I want to encourage you, hit the streets with them. Encourage yourself in the Lord as you preach the gospel to other people. And God will allow you to see a glimpse of what he sees when people continue to reject him. But you give them the answer to hope and then their eyes are opened. You will never be the same again. So in a recap, MPI, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people, a strategy to connect, mentor, and send, and then a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get a hallelujah? Praise the Lord. God can do it. Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings today? Come on. We believe that the Bible teaches our tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. We designate our offerings here towards missions and towards building. That's an amount that's after the tithe between you and God, what he puts on your heart to give. So let's get into the lesson today. You can go through the app, the MPI app, if you want to find it. We're in lesson five. God blesses those who tithe. This section is all about tithing and understanding how the Old Testament and the the full Bible really teaches that the tithe is for us today. So lesson five, God blesses those who tithe. Again, the tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. We're going to be reading from Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. How many of you guys want that kind of blessing? Come on, Jesus, I don't have enough room, but keep dropping it like it's hot. You got to be faithful in your tithe to experience that kind of a blessing. So let's read the two main points. Number one, God blesses those who tithe. God blesses or empowers to succeed those who tithe and keep his commands. There's no shortcut to this command. You're either going to be faithful or you're not going to be faithful. You're either going to sow sparingly and reap sparingly, or you're going to sow generously so that you could reap generously. Can I get an amen? Number two, God's blessings overflow to his people's lives. God not only promised to meet our needs, but he also promises to give us enough to help meet others' needs. So we want to be blessed to be a blessing. And the only way through that is through giving our tithes, being faithful with our offering, and testing God in this. This is the only thing that God tells us to test him in. See if he will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing 
that you won't even have room to store it. So we believe in this, and God has been faithful. There's so many testimonies of people that have done this that have been faithful, and many times it comes with a sacrifice. All the time it will come with a sacrifice, but God is faithful, and he will meet your needs and abundantly so that you can meet others as well. So let's apply this to our life. Number one, give God your tithe faithfully. And number two, pray and ask God to bless you to be a blessing. So let's recite this confession of faith over our life. And the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, veiled to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and a curse. and must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If that gets you excited, please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give the Lord our very best. Again, a tithe is 10% of your total income. An offering is above that amount between you and the Lord. We designate that towards missions and towards building. I want to let you know just on the, on the envelope itself, there's different categories. Put the specific amount that you want to go towards each section and write your name neatly so we can allocate those funds properly to you. And many of you guys are getting your end of the year reports. Thank you so much for an amazing 2016. All of your generosity, your faithfulness to be a tither and a giver has made it possible for us to accomplish for God what we've done this last year. And guess what? There's so much more to do. So look to your neighbor say, do it. We're going to do it again in 2017, so we thank you for your faithfulness. Metro Praise is an amazing church, and we just thank you so much for believing the vision of what God has called us to do together as the body of Christ on this earth. So here are seven ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the front during the offering. Number two, in the back with a credit or debit card. Three, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Four, on the MPI app. Five, you could use Chase QuickPay at give at mpichurch.org. You could also text MPI Give to 206-859-9405. And lastly, you could, go at, you could go online at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Here's the building fund for 2017. We've been asking you guys all to pray. We are believing for God to bring in the shekels this year so we can get a new shed, some more equipment, a new projector, a new screen back here, change the flooring and the foyer to match this beautiful floor here on the stage. So God is on the move. He's on the groove. And through all of us coming together, we believe we could do that this year. Are you guys with us? So all we ask you to do is, number one, pray, ask God what you should give. Two, listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you. And three, give and give generously. So let's do this together again this year. Let's recite this verse together. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundance in our lives. We thank you, God, that as we be, uh, remain faithful to the tithe and the offering, that you will pour out a blessing upon us. So I just pray, Lord, if anybody struggled in this area, that you would give them faith to trust you. I pray, O oh Lord, that you provide for our needs and those needs of those around us, God. I pray that we would be blessed to be a blessing. Open doors, God, of employment for people who are looking for jobs. I pray that you would open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no 
no man can open. Give them increases, promotions, raises, favor on the job. May they be favored above everyone else as they honor you and bring you glory on the workplace, God. And I just ask that we would continue to give all that we have to see your kingdom come to this earth, that you would use it and multiply it for your glory in Chicago and to the ends of the earth. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Please come forward as you give, and we thank you so much for your generosity. Amen. How many know you're made for glory? Make some noise in the house of God. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, God did it again. Amen. I am so glad that you guys are here. We have waited as a church to share this with you. Ever since we started a new year, I wanted to go over this with you. So this is a great day to be at church. If you are a visitor, my name is Joe. I'm your friendly neighborhood pastor. I'm so glad that you're here. And you picked the right day to visit us, man. I'm telling you, it is a great day to be here. And for all of you who made this year a great year, you can remember you popped this off with us at the beginning of 2016. This is for you right here. And those who came in the middle of 2016, that's all right. You did your thing for the Lord too. You can get your praise on today. So we want to give you guys the review. It is in your app right now and online as well. And if you want the details, you can actually click down a PDF of all the finances. You can see how much shekels my wife and I made, where we spent the money all throughout the year. Ain't no shame in our game, baby. We just love Jesus. Amen. So you can actually know what this pastor made. So I'm not ashamed of it. You can know what we spent on the van and transportation to bring people here, all the programs and those things, the rent that we paid, etc. So let's look at these wonderful things. First and foremost, like always, the most important thing that we want to do at Metro Praise is make disciples. We averaged 146 disciples in 2016. Whoa! <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. 
from January to December, dropping it like it's hot. As you can see in the chart right there, the foundation, the blue being the elders, the deacons being the red, the 201 being the green, and the light purple being the 101. I pray that God will do more this year. Amen, 2017. We average two, uh, 2,000. One day we will. We average 226 in attendance. Give it up. Here you see back-to-back -back red being 2016, blue being 2015, conquering every month. Only one month in June were we a little bit below the average of last year, but we averaged way higher than we ever did before. Here it is in summary. Disciples are up 6% from 139 in 2015 to 146 in 2016. That's 7. We grew by 12% in elders and deacons. Attendance went up 13% from 201 and 2015 to 226 in 2016. That's 25. And Metro Praise is over 90% disciples. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Whoa. Come on. Most churches are happy if they got 20% in disciples. We're over 90% of disciples. That means if you're in that 10% hasn't joined discipleship, you need to get in the program, y'all. Be a disciple that makes disciples. Here's what we also love to do here. We love to do life groups. How many can say, I love life groups? Come on, do life at life groups. We have 10 life groups at this church, a little sunk sunk for everybody. Let me tell you their highs and their averages for the year. The Sunday marriage group, 36 high with an average of 20. The single moms, a high of 18 with an average of 13. Elevate the resistance, a high of 22 with an average of 15. Tuesday encounter night, a high of 63 with an average of 49. Wednesday Kings kids, a high of 227, an average of 74. Thursday gang outreach, a high of 10 with an average of 6. The Friday Govea Life Group, a high of 26, an average of 19. The Vivitz Bible Study, a high of 22, an average of 15. Saturday Elevate Ambassadors, a high of 18, an average of 11. Saturday Evangelism Boricua Fest, 127 went out on a Saturday with an average of 14. That means we went up from an average of 208 a month in 2015 to 233 in 2016, 13% growth. So life groups for single moms, marriage, young people, prayer groups, Metro Praise has over 104% participation. That means more people come to life groups and come to the service. Let's give it up to Jesus. That's reaching out, doing life right. God is good. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, God is good. I got to give you guys some highlights now of what it was like in the ministry. All that God did. You know, when the, when the months go by, sometimes you get so stuck in the forest that you forget, uh, the trees, you forget to see the forest. But I want to show you what God did in Elevate. They had a high of 88 with a weekly average of 55. This is our teenagers. They, and listen to me, they had almost 60 just Friday, this last Friday, so they already breaking their averages. They got 16 teenagers in 101, 9 in 201, and 9 elders and deacons dropping it like it's hot. Amen. 26 of their students go to life groups every week, and over half of those young people, 62% are involved in discipleship. Give it up for our young people and what Pastor Steve and his wife are doing there. Check them out on Fridays. And so now let's go through some of the things that you were a part of that what God did. Just some of the highlights. Four SUM graduates. Nine new deacons serving the Lord in the church. 33 baptisms. 
A hundred kids' school supplies given away before school started with five laptops. A hundred and thirty Christmas gifts given this Christmas. Three hundred and thirty at the Elevate Sunday service. Jesus is shining on Metro Praise International. Come on, somebody. Woo! And I got some good gospel news for you right now. You see where that rainbow is shining? There's a little corner store that, that ain't ours yet. I was preaching last Sunday in Daytona Beach. Somebody saw a picture because I was showing them how we decorated this place because I wanted to encourage them because they have a storefront church. And I'm like, you can make a storefront look amazing, right? They saw the corner. The woman of God, the pastor's wife, looked at me and said, it's about time you get that corner. And this is what I said to her. I said, I know we need it because we bust out at the seams with the kids. I said, but the Bible says don't covet. This landlord is a good friend of mine. I don't want to pray for what belongs to him. It's like I don't pray for my neighbor's wife. I don't pray for my neighbor's car. I want your car. Lay hands on it. But they said, they said, no, no, no. This is different. The Lord said something's different right now. Call him up when you get home. And I was resistant. And they said, no, call him up. And they said, let's pray right now. God, we pray you favor this church. Give them that corner. Lord, that corner store, we pray you bless them. And I said, amen. Okay, woman of God, I'll be obedient to what the Lord said. I come back. I just send a little text. I'm like, Lazarus' name. I'm like, man, would you ever rent that to us? Just curious because that's his corner store. They put thousands of dollars in there to have the jewelry business with the bulletproof glass. A lot of money went into that. And he said, call me in 30 minutes. I already knew God was on the move because if it would have been a no, he'd just been like, no, man, that's my business. I, I, you know, I'm not running that to you. I call him up, and he says, we're about ready to get another property on Fullerton. We want to merge this one to that one. He said, the meeting is this Thursday, so every one of you pray for the permission for them and the aldermen to put the business there. And he said, bro, that goes through. I'm giving you that corner store. It's yours. It's the church. Woo! Come on, somebody. That's the God that we serve. When God said it, boom, that settles it. He'll do that in your life. Can I get an amen? Because what he does through the church, he'll do through you. That's why he said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. Everybody say, let's talk about money. I hope that every one of you have gotten your giving reports. Listen, sometimes there may be a mistake on the amounts. If you see something there, let us know. Come to Pastor Gaselda today. Where is she seated? There she is. She's, let's wave back at her. There you go. Go see her. If something's in the report that you don't like, we want to make you happy with that report, okay? Because you have given. And that's why my wife always says if you write it out, that's where a lot of the confusion comes in. If you don't specify your name the best or you don't put building or tithe, whatever, it's not that it got lost. We're going to take care of you. So I always say that as a preference because some people are like, I'm missing something here. Trust me, it was never missed. It was taken care of appropriately. It just needs to be designated towards you, okay? So we're not, we're not losing any money. As a matter of fact, every week as the money comes in, three people count it, three individual people sign off on it, put it in a locked and sealed bag and deposit it. It is taken care of. Can I get an amen? But look at your report. Make sure it's all good and then talk to Grisel if you have any questions. And then can be, be under this this mindset, look at your report and ask yourself this question. Did I tithe off what I made last year? Did I tithe off it? Because if you weren't obedient to the tithe, you need to be obedient this year. And those, those of you who have been obedient, thank you. And everybody who gave, thank you. Because guess what came in through this church right here? $237,662 in four cents. A 9% increase from 2015 in tithes and offerings, baby. That's a praise the Lord right there, amen? 
And like I said, go to the website. You can click and look at all of the monies, how it went. We, we have nothing to hide here. We have nothing to hide. So let's talk about basically how it got spent, you know, what the Lord did. It's very simple. The building offerings raised $21,861 last year for the new band equipment. We had the new drums purchased, the new keyboard, the new stage, the new lighting. Missions raised $5,842 for both local and abroad. And listen to what we gave away to the community and to missions. We gave away $13,087 to love people with the gospel. Can we give it up for Jesus? That's helping people with their bills. That's helping people with bus cards. That's sending monies overseas to our missionaries in the Philippines and in um, South Africa and the Congo and in New Orleans. Those are our four main places. One is in America and New Orleans, and the other three are overseas in the Philippines, in the Congo, and then in uh, South Africa. You guys did an amazing job. Now, here's what we have in savings. We saved $6,061.08 in missions, and the majority of that was from 2014. 4,000 of that is when we raised money for the Philippines. So we are taking a second trip to the Philippines with that money this year. Can I get a hey, hey? Come on. We go into the Philippines this year, and $2,000 is sitting there to be designated to our other areas. The buildings funds were cleared. That's why when you see the chart here at the beginning of the year, January, it's an empty uh, money. We have put no money in until the end of this month, and then we'll start building it up to raise that 10000 And the general savings, which has been a goal of mine to get up to there to be a little bit of shekels in there, $7,305.30. Let's give it up for Jesus. And I only say this because some of y'all going to look at my salary on the paper, but look at me. I took less money this year than last year. You know why? Because I wanted it to go to savings. I really wanted that savings to go up. So though pastor could have had more money come in, it it's belongs to me. I've been approved of a certain uh, salary. I said, let me just let me take only what I need. Let me not get as much because I want that, sal uh, that general savings to build up because every time the van breaks down, we got to pull stuff out of that. And listen, man, we got four vehicles, two vans, uh, uh, two passenger vans, a 12-passenger, a 15-passenger. Those things are always breaking down. Pray for a mechanic to be called to this church to help us. Then we got a minivan and a station wagon. Just between that, I always need some savings in there, plus all the things we do. Can I get a what, what? So here's the goals for 2017. We want to have 168 disciples. We want to increase to 168. And the reason why it's 168 is because we want to average 250 in both services. How many believe we can grow by 25 people in both discipleship and in the service. Can you believe that with me? Amen. We've already gone to two services. As you can see, we're almost filling up in our first one, and our second one is coming right behind the first service, growing as well. We want to have that building fund with the new storage, the studio equipment and projector. Let me just tell you about the studio. That song that you just heard, Thy Kingdom Come, that's one of Metro Praise's songs. We have a studio with all of this equipment we have there, and then also at Vinny and Desi's house. It's going to be ready to be dropped like it's hot on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, the songs that we do in I get an amen. And then we're going to redo the flooring over there. And, this, and just think like this for that area over there. If we get that other building, think of right now where the, uh, the lobby is. We're just going to bust down the wall and just increase the lobby right there. And then where the, the wall for our classroom is, just bring it right down there. And then that whole space will be our big children's area. And all the other little classrooms here will be for our nursery and toddlers. Can I get an amen? That way we can multifunction at the same time. Because when we're not using it for children, we can have two classes. Because whenever we do stuff, 
but it's usually like putting kids in, a, I mean, putting adults in a children's room, you know. So it's going to be an open area that can be used for all types of things. And then we want to save $10,000. Our goal is to get to three months savings, and our average budget is around $15,000 a month. So we want to get closer and closer to having about forty to thirty, thirty to 40000 in savings, okay? So that's why we're just asking you this year to help us as much as you can with the, the building fund. And here's how I do it, just like how you do it as, as a pastor. Here's what I do. I give 10% to the Lord, and then I give 5% to offerings. That's just me. You give as much to offerings as you want. That comes from the heart. The Lord just designates the tithe for everybody at 10%. But for me, whenever monies come in, I give 10% to the Lord, and then I give 5% to offerings. That's just me, but pray about that. And then we know when we talk about that vision of 50 campuses, 100,000 disciples, I want to put this in front of you. This is the type of campus we want to grow towards. Come on, somebody say, do it, Jesus. I want to give the Catholics a run for their money, y'all. I want to give YMCA a run for their money. When we're talking about our vision every single week, 50 churches in Chicago, 500 around the world, what do you think a church that looks like that's going to be able to hold 100,000? We want 50 churches with 100,000. That means each campus has got to hold 2,000 people. This is one of the 50 campuses we want to put in this city. I got one life to live, baby. I might as well dream big. There you got the community center. You got all of the uh, Bible colleges, the sanctuaries, the gym, the K through 12th grade school. I think we can do that in Jesus' name. If one of y'all win the lottery, we can do this tomorrow. Amen? Just one of y'all win the lottery. But, but other than that, we're going to do it one person at a time. We're going to keep tithing and giving. And let me just blow your mind with this because some of when we look at something big, we're like, how can we ever get here? I've been looking at this and saying the vision since day one. Since day one, Elliot made this for me about eight years ago. But I've been saying loving God, loving people, connect, mentor, send 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches, 500 around the world since we first started the church. So listen, I've always known that God can do it, but I always had to, you know, wait and be patient. Now I can actually say, this to you guys right here. All you have to do is just keep doing what you're doing and more people do what you're doing and it will be done. So it's not like to do this. Everybody's got to do more, give more and all of that. No, if you do exactly what you did this year and someone else joins with you, we will get to this. Do you get that? The, the blessing of the Lord does not come with a burden. The blessing of the Lord comes through the commands of God. So literally, if I had 10,000 people, uh, 2,000 right now doing what you do, just gave the way you gave, supported the church the way you do, this would happen right here. Does everybody get that? It's that simple. Can I get an amen? Don't overthink it. Amen. And that's why we do the thug dizzle for the loaf of shizzle. Loving God and loving. Connect, mentor. 100,000 with 50 and 500 around the, let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Woo, do it, Lord. Slap your neighbor high five and say, get about the Father's business. Come on, let's get about the Father's business. Okay, today we are now going to get into our last sermon today of the series, The Pillar of Truth. If you are new with us, we went through a whole series starting in the uh, beginning of January called The Pillar of the Truth. And the church is that pillar of the truth, and we have a calling. And the reason why we start off every year at Metro Praise International looking at our goals and our visions and our strategies solid is because we want you to be blessed. Not that I want you to put the church above feeding your children, but that you'll understand understand if you put the things of God before family, God will take care of family. The best dads are dads who put God first. 
There's no dad that's better here than me. No mother that's better than my mother, uh, my wife. But she puts God first. Do you all get that? She doesn't put job, money, food before them. She puts God first. Now, some people may say, well, God doesn't pay my bills and God doesn't give my kids something to eat. Yeah, he does. He gave you a brain and a mouth to complain with and look what you're doing with it, you know. He gave you the oxygen you're breathing. So when you put him first, you're honoring him so that he can bless you. Because the Bible says God makes rich rich and adds no sorrow to it. There's a lot of people with money, but they got more problems with more money. There's a lot of people with big houses, but they have a, a small love for their family. They're divorcing. They're leaving each other. So those things, money and happy, uh, homes, don't equal happiness. God makes a happy home. Amen? So the pillar of truth is understanding the role of church in our lives. And the church is the visible representation of the kingdom of God. If you look through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is always talking about the kingdom of God. He said, be born again that you can see the kingdom of God. He told parables and he says, the kingdom of God is like this, a man that goes on a journey and, and gives out talents to his workers and blesses them for the ones that multiplied and, and, and throws out and curses the one who doesn't. And then he talked about the kingdom of God is coming first in your heart, then it's coming upon the earth as him as king literally ruling and reigning. How many have the kingdom of God in their heart right now? He said, it's nigh among you. It's even here. It starts here. Then it comes out here. And then when he taught us to pray, what did he teach us to pray? As that song says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. How many are tired of hell on earth? How many want to see heaven on earth? Amen. So this is the last part of that series. We're going to learn about our goal, the 100,000 disciples with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Open up your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. This is our series text. I've gone through it with you five times. I wasn't here last week. Pastor Jared, I heard, did an amazing job. Can we give it up for him? I listened to the message, and I was like, boom, shakalaka. I was like, that was amazing. And so listen, let's listen to this last scripture for the, for the last time in this series, but remember it for our lives as a foundation of what we build upon. Paul's talking to Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.14. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's what? God's household, thank you, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. What is the pillar and foundation of the truth? The church of the living God. Come on, say it again. What is the pillar and foundation of the truth? Church of the living God. The church of the living God. We need truth in politics right now. Who's going to bring it? The church through people. What did the president swear upon? A Bible, right? What does the dollar bill say? In God we trust. Who is going to be in these people's lives, in the business world, in the political world, in your family as the foundation? The church, you as brothers and sisters with Christ, as his ambassadors representing his kingdom. That is what the Bible says. And he calls it his house. So we ought to be careful about how we treat the church. Yes, there may be churches that don't do it God's way. So God's going to correct them. And then they'll be judged accordingly. But those who live by the truth and preach the truth, we need to respect and honor them. He also called the church his bride, and he called the church his body. So you put those three terms together, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the house of Christ. How many know we should respect the church? Amen. 
So I want you to think about that today as we get into the goal. You can follow along with the notes. We believe, as a Metro Praise International Church, we believe God has promised us a great harvest both here in Chicago and in the nations. Chicagoland has over 9 million residents and needs a strong discipleship church in each of its 50 wards and beyond. And let me just share this with you right here. If we're believing planting 50 churches in Chicago and you see how vast the south side is, how many of y'all know we're going to be taking over the south side with a lot of churches in Jesus' name. Amen. How many know we're going to go to the west side? Because to me, it's not about a white man or a black man or a Latino man. It's about the God man, Jesus Christ. And the answer doesn't come through politics. The answer doesn't come through police. The answer doesn't come through more programs. Those, they can be helpful and it should be done right. But the answer comes through Jesus Christ and the church. So when I see these 50 churches spreading wide, I know that a great majority will be in some of our troubled areas that we hear about on the news all the time. But they're also going to be in areas that probably people don't want us to be. They're going to be on Belmont and Clark. Amen. They're going to be right there in the loop. Amen. They're going to be surrounding this city all the way to the borders and if not the suburbs. Look at this. Also today with three billion unreached people around the globe living mostly in the 1040 window, we sense God calling us to partner with those locals to plant churches that make disciples. There was a time when I actually went overseas and planted Metro Praises. But when I left those countries, I realized they weren't following our systems after we left. So now we just work with them to partner with them temporarily. But one day we will send out again our own missionaries to plant these churches. One of the first locations we're looking at is the Philippines. We've already been there once. We're going to go again. Pastor Ray, who has preached here, is giving us an open door to work with his people. And so be in prayer as we start to prepare this year to go again. And I just got a message from him over the weekend. So I believe it's all in God's timing. That may be our first international metro praise in the Philippines. Can I get an amen? So I want you to prayerfully, whether you're a first-time visitor or whether you've been here since the very beginning, I want you to pray as you hear this message and consider joining with us on the exciting mission to reach and fulfill our goal. 100,000 disciples in Chicago. Not just church attendees, not just people going to a gospel concert, but people being disciples that make disciples with 50 churches that are based upon the Word of God and then sending out our missionaries around the world. So I want you to think about that as we think about what we've already learned. So the goal is the last part of what makes Metro Praise Metro Praise. We first have a vision and we have a strategy. Metro Praise vision is loving God and loving people. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself in Mark 12, 28 through 31. And so how do we love God? We've already gone through this, but let me review for you. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, review is for you. How do we love God? We worship Him in spirit and in truth. You were made to worship. You were made to glory in God's presence. You were literally made as a light bulb to be plugged in, to be, to be uh, brought into God's presence like electricity and turned on. Amen? And that is what the Bible says you were made for. That's how you love him. And then secondly, by obeying all of his commands. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. John 14, 15. Now, how do we love people? We, we just don't say, I love you, I love you, bro, I love you. No, we love them by helping them in their times of need. The Bible says, how can you say you love your brother who you see? I mean, how can you say you love God who you don't see when you hate your brother who you do see? In another place, the Bible says, we know God showed his love for us that Jesus 
Jesus Christ died on, on the cross, and we ought to lay down our lives and love our brothers the same way. And then in another place, it says, how can you say the love of God abides in you when you see your brother in need and you don't help them and you say, come back tomorrow? So we look to that good Samaritan example that we love people by meeting their needs. We may not be able to meet everybody's needs, but we can meet somebody's needs. Somebody may look at this church and the 13000 we spend in the community and go, well, that's not much. You know, you should have given more. Well, we did the best that we could. I mean, we could have given to you and not paid our electrical bill and then not had a church and then not had any more money to give to anybody. Or we could give what we can and believe God for more. It's usually the ones that have nothing that complain about the people trying to do something. But those who are trying to do something know how hard it is, don't you? You know how hard it is just to give your tithe, just to give your offering, just to squeeze out an hour to volunteer for the King's Kids Life Group or the youth group or to help with a single's mom. So let us not judge by a different measure than we want to be judged by. Amen? Let us all do our best. We can't help everybody, but we can help somebody. And let us do it sacrificially. And that's why every year I pray at the beginning of the year, how much should I give? What percentages should I give? And how should I give throughout uh, the year when the need raises? And the second way we love people is by preaching the gospel to them. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and then for the Gentile. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel is a message that is pr brought to the whole world of Jesus dying on the cross for their sins, raising from the dead, ascending to heaven, and soon coming back and all can be saved. Can I hear an amen? amen? Everybody say the vision. Or the vision. That's our vision. Now we get to the strategy. Everybody go strategy. This is in review as well. The vision is loving God and loving people. So now what do we do about it? Okay, we love God. We love people. How does it work? Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said, Go into all the world, make disciples of every nation, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So our vision has to have legs, which is called a strategy. And so our mission and our strategy needs to be what Jesus' great commission was. You can look at the vision being God's great commandments, love God and love people. You can look at our strategy being God's great commission. You can also look at the vision as loving God, loving people, and the mission as making disciples that make disciples. Now, how does it look here? It doesn't have to look this way in any, every other church or any other, any other place, but for us, it's just a three-part strategy to make disciples. First, you connect with them, then you mentor them, then you send them out to repeat it over, and so it can be done in a cyclical format. Some people say you reach up, connect to God, you reach in, and the Lord connects and changes your life, and then you reach out to touch others. Everybody go, reach up. Reach in, reach out. One more time, come on, reach up. Reach in, reach out. Y'all hear me now, reach up. Reach in, reach out. Come on, there it is, connect, mentor, Sam. Another way to look at it is, another way to look at connect is reach one, reach one is connect, then teach one to reach one being send. I connect to reach one, I mentor to teach one, I send them out to reach another one. Everybody get that? And so how do we do that? Life groups and services are connecting. That's our big way of connecting. Come to church, go to a life group. That's why we don't have a midweek service. We make the life groups your midweek activity. You do that often enough, you will sense that you're connected to God and people. Then mentoring happens first one-on-one -on -one in our 101. 
It's the beginning phase. It goes through your life. A book goes through your life with a mentor and a leader. Women with women, men with men, married couples with married couples, teenagers with teenagers, and young adults. We make it simple and easy for you. You set that time. You say, hey, you know, lunch break works for me. Somebody in this church who's qualified to do it with you will meet you on your lunch break. They will do it in a way that is convenient for you. And then the 201 is a discipleship class and leadership training where you start to become accountable, learning and memorizing scripture. We use the greatest software right now available to colleges and universities. We are unique in this. A lot of churches may do discipleship in classes, but we use the best of online technology to, to incorporate your discipleship in your home and on your job so that it's easy and convenient to click in from your phone, watch a video, do a lesson, hit the buttons for accountability. And God is doing this in and through us because we love to make disciples. Making disciples is our business and business is good. Amen. And then we send you out to do the same thing over again. We send you out to be life group leaders that then make disciples, uh, people that open up their homes, find different ministries to serve and to be a part of, and then make new disciples. And then once again, Pastor Jared preached last week on what makes us unique now in that vision and strategy. The two main pillars, as you could say, would be our passion for love, our passion and love for evangelism and discipleship. Those will be the two legs that walk that strategy through the world. Can I get an amen? So now as we look at 100,000 disciples, the need for 50 churches in Chicago, how many believe we need some churches here, some real good ones, and 500 churches around the world, how many believe Jesus is the answer for the world today? Let's put some word on it. Y'all ready? Okay, let's go to Psalms chapter 2, verse 8. I wish I could work through each one of these passages with you, but I have to just highlight the verses. Please, on your own, if the Lord leads you to do so, read the entire passages. Read all of Psalm 2, John chapter 4, and then Luke chapter 10. But I just have to highlight it, and as you can tell, I'm talking faster than normal because I know i got a lot to say today, okay? So just be patient with me. And by the way, next month, it is going to be a breath of fresh air, a new sermon series. The whole book of Ephesians we're going to take on until Jesus tells us we're done, and the name of the title of the series is going to be In Him. Oh, just, oh, In Him. So if you want to do your homework, start reading the book of Ephesians. Just thinking about it relaxes me. We are seated in heavenly places. Hallelujah. We are saved by grace. Amen. The Bible says that we're warring against the devil from a place of, a positional place of blessing. We don't have to be insecure in our walk with God. Oh, there's order in the family in the book of Ephesians. The Bible says there's foreknowledge and predestination. There's no accident in this world. God has ordained it for his glory. Okay, that's next week. But right now, let's go back to the goal. You guys ready? 100,000 for Jesus. Now, you may say, Pastor, that's, that's a crazy number. Where did you get that? What's, what's the point of that? Why, why go so big? Why not just believe God for 500? Or maybe just be the next mega pastor, mega church pastor, just 2,000 people, and, and you'll be so awesome, Pastor, because you're such a good speaker and the band is good. Why do you want 50 churches and 100,000? You want to know why? It's because when I first moved here and we planted this church, I was in prayer with the Lord, and I said, God, what do you want me to give my life to? Not a few years, not, not just to get comfortable, but what do you want me to give my life to? And I, and, and I have a relationship with the Lord, and he talked back to me, and he said, how big can you dream? 
And I have always been a church growth uh, student, not, you know, getting my doctoral degree. Even now, I, I studied all the big names, the books, and rubbed shoulders with a lot of these guys. I understood one key thing when the Lord asked me that back, that there is no church in America over 100,000. There's actually a story of one of my uh, favorite authors and people on discipleship, uh, Larry Stockstill of Bethany World Prayer Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He would host Cesar Castellanos of Columbia, who pastors a 400,000-member church, a discipleship church. They're the founders of the G12 movement of discipleship, every disciple making 12 disciples like Jesus. And I remember Larry Stockstill saying that he went to a conference that Young Ji Cho had put on, and he pastors 750,000 members in Seoul, South Korea, and there's churches of over 100,000 in India and Nigeria. There's a home church movement, at least two or three in China that have over a million members. There's a few churches in Brazil with over 100,000 members. And he went to a conference that Cho was putting on, and he said that they were breaking it down by the pastor groups to help you to, to get training. And he said one of the groups was for a 100,000-member church or above, 100,000. And he said, my goodness, I don't even know if anybody's going to that breakout section. So he, as a curious person, walked over there in Seoul, Korea, and peeked through the window to see who was there. There was no Americans there. And praise God for the glory of God among the nations. But there was Africans there. There was Indians there. There were Koreans there because there's actually a couple churches in South Korea, over 100,000. There's a Presbyterian one as well as the Assembly of God one. There was Brazilians there. There was Latin Americans there. I believe there's a couple uh, large churches as well. There's the Columbia one is 400,000. And there's some maybe also in Argentina, over 100,000. And it had nothing to do with skin color or anything, obviously. But he was just broken for his nation. He just went back and he said, we are the land of the free. I mean, we have all of the space to build churches, all of these things. Why do our churches keep capping at these numbers? And now recently, you know, with Joe Osteen, he's been the largest church, 40,000. Andy Stanley in Atlanta, 40,000. Uh, you know, there's some other churches in the Church of God in Christ and others that have 30,000. And, and it just seems like we're capping. And his great takeaway was, is because we're not replicating in discipleship. We keep building crowds among good speakers, and you can only do that to a certain point. Only so many people are going to want to hear Joel Osteen speak week after week. Only so many people are going to want to hear Bishop so-and-so week after week. And I remember being at Bishop T.D. Jake's church when he first launched there in Dallas and had that massive uh, sanctuary there, and I met with a lot of his people. It doesn't matter how great of a speaker you are, you'll run into a barrier discipleship is the only way you can break those barriers is where people begin to see the cause is bigger than them coming to hear a speaker. Is everybody getting that? And so I said that back to the Lord, and then this verse came right into my heart. The Lord said, then ask me. Ask me then, Joe. If you've never seen a church of 100,000 in America, ask me. Now, I believe that God can do it, but I never heard him promise me that he would do it in my lifetime. So even if I don't see it, I believe my children or my children's children will see it. Amen. But you may say, Pastor, I believe you will see it in your lifetime. I believe too. I am putting my faith in that. I'm just not putting God's word so that if it doesn't happen, you guys say, well, God lied to Pastor Joe. Okay, I'm just saying God and I had a talk. He said, what can you think of? I said, I'll put this up on the board. He said, go for it. So there can be one of two things that will happen. Either we'll reach it or we won't reach it. If we reach it, then he'll probably look at me and say, that was just the introduction. That was just the first half. Let's go now for a half a million. If I don't reach it in my lifetime, and like Abraham, all I have is a couple sons of promise or a church or whatever of whatever size, then at least everybody on this planet who ever knew me can say he was faithful. 
He said the vision every week. He worked towards it. He was faithful. Amen. So either I'm faithful or fruitful, but God's going to get all the glory. Amen. So let's work together towards 100,000. He said, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Who is speaking in Psalm chapter 2? A pastor? A good Christian? No, that is the Father speaking to the Son. The Son came into the flesh, died upon the cross, and was glorified, raised to the Father's right hand. Now understand the significance of this. The Son had always been equal to the Father. There was never a time that Jesus was not God. He's always been God, will always be God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him. Nothing was made that has been made except by him. Are you with me? In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Okay, that is our Jesus. But something significant happened at the incarnation when God the Son became a man. He was fulfilling prophecies that were given to David that a man through the lineage of David would always rule in the kingdom of God upon the throne of God. Does everybody get that? And so what this is saying is after the resurrection, he's done it. Now the God-man will rule and reign across the earth. So this is why he gave that great commission in, in Matthew chapter 28 where he said go into all the world and make disciples because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. As God the eternal son he had always had all authority but God the son becoming man he had to be given the authority. That's why in Hebrews it says in Hebrews chapter 1 today you have become my son. I have become your father. There was a significant change in the relationship at the incarnation nation. Not a change in his divinity, but a change in the position of a man being glorified with the Son of God, the God-man, 100% man, 100% God, sharing now in the rulership of God. So what we could say is one of us, in the image of us, really we're in his image, but a man that looks like us, is God among us, ruling and reigning with us, because he put on an earth suit like we would put on a space suit. Do you understand? I can't go into all the depth of the incarnation, but I taught a little bit about that before. So check on that. But this is very significant because the Father says, go ahead, ask me. And then Jesus says to us, now ask me. Do you get how that works? Father says, it's been laid out. All the nations belong to you now, Jesus. You're their king. You're their Messiah. And then he says to his church, go claim my reward. During the time of the Mavarian um, missionaries, when missionary movements were just beginning and the world was pretty much unknown other than just the European world and the, uh, the Western world at that time, we hadn't gone very much into the, the places of Africa and to India and to China. There were trade routes, but there wasn't a lot of travel there. The Mavarians wanted to go and reach the African people, but they were being treated as slaves, as cattle, and God have mercy on what happened there. Slave traders go to hell according to the Bible, amen? And, but these men wanted to reach them. And so the Mavarian missionary said, can we go with you on your slave trading ships and wherever you stop in port, we will then preach to the slaves so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these wicked men said, no, we have no need of preachers here because they were under conviction of what they were doing was wrong. They knew it was wrong and it was the church that brought down slavery through the people like Booker T. Washington and Frederick Douglass and so forth as, long as, as well as Floyd Garrison as we've studied here before the church working together with culture changes culture amen it was reverend martin luther king in the 60s as well right it's the godly worldly mindset the worldview that will change this world so anyways uh they, they said no we're not letting you do that we're not we're not taking you to these places where slave trading so you can liberate their minds and their hearts and give them a hope in the future the movarian missionaries then said 
how much will you pay for us to become your slave? Read the story of the Moverian missionaries. They sold themselves in slavery, and they were brought to the places of Africa as slaves, treated as slaves on those boats. And one of them was married, and other of them had family, obviously. And as they were leaving the port, and they probably weren't going to see their family ever again, one of them yelled back to all the people weeping and crying, said, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. That was the cry of the Mavarian church, and the Mavarians became the most worldwide missionaries around the world when these people started making sacrifices. It was then the Mavarians who reached John Wesley and the Methodists. And if you've heard of the, the black Methodists, the, the, the African-American Episcopal churches come from these Methodists. And the Methodists, who were methodical, think about that name, Methodists. They were like us, methodical in their structures, and they developed their clubs and their gospel preachings. It was them that then started reaching more of the world, but they were influenced by the Mavarians and the modern day missions came out of that. Can I get an amen? The idea is that we ask God of the nations and then we put our boots to walk in. Where our, you know, where our mouth's been talking, we put our boots to walk in. Look at what Jesus said in John 34, 35. Uh, he was spending time with the woman at the well. He hadn't eaten anything. The disciples come back and say, Jesus, we know you got to be hungry, and we see you just wasting time with this woman. What's going on? You know, because women weren't looked at very well at that time. But Jesus says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus showed us that he valued women when other people didn't. So the very first ones that uplifted women were Christians, understood your history. It was Christian women as well as Christian abolitionists that took on those causes, not women who wanted to kill their babies in abortion clinics. Learn the truth about Christian women who brought forth freedom. Can I hear an amen to that? It was the same ones who were in the abolition movement. Matter of fact, if you study about Garrison and others like them in Booker T. Washington, it was the same ones fighting the same battle. But he said, my food, Jesus says, to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? And he says back to them, it's still four months into harvest. So that's why I guess what they used to talk to each other like, you know, hey, man, it's about time to harvest. And I guess we would talk like that, too, if we got our food off of the, the ground, right? Like right now, we're like, man, you're going to McDonald's, you're going to whatever. But if your food's growing off the ground, you're going to have some slang about getting your food from the, the trees. Amen? Looks about time to harvest this stuff. We can eat some apples now. And it says, I tell you, look at what Jesus says. I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for harvest. Can you open up your eyes tomorrow at your job and see there's a harvest ripe right now? Can you open up your eyes and see the young people that there is a ripe harvest for them? We go out and preach 10 times a week. Saturday is our main one. It's the time that we also do the teaching and training. They had almost 20 people or, or maybe a little bit more yesterday. But we go out 10 different times all throughout the week to preach the gospel. Why? Because the harvest is ripe. Tomorrow I'll be preaching the gospel between 1.30 and 2.30 at Wright College. Wednesday, we'll preach the gospel in this neighborhood an hour before we have our, our King's Kids program. On Thursday, they go out and do the gang ministry and reach out to the troubled neighborhoods from 7 to 10, right out there where the block is hot. Friday, we go out four different times on Friday, two different high schools before the youth group, and then two different neighborhoods before the adult Bible study. Do you understand what God is doing here? Because he's showing us the harvest. You have to look at your own life and say, am I willing to go out there and start getting my hands dirty? People will reject you. That's right. People aren't always going to love us because they hated him. Don't take it personal. Don't be rejected. Uh, be discouraged by their rejection. The Bible actually told you in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, rejoice when you're persecuted because that's the same way they traded Jesus and the prophets. For great is your reward in heaven. If we believed in heaven more, we would be storing more treasures up there, wouldn't we? 
I think the reason why we're so busy storing treasures here, not up there, is because we don't really believe there's enough there. We need to stop being just Christians on Monday and atheists, uh, I mean Christians on Sunday and atheists on Monday. We need to live with a Christian worldview. You have never met an ordinary person. Every person you rub elbows with tomorrow on the bus or the train or at your job is an immortal soul. And they will become the most hideous of creatures sentenced forever in, in hell. That if you were to see them in their final state of damnation, they would be scarier than any horror movie you can imagine now. You are to pity them if they are lost because they are filthy and unrighteous without God. And those of you who know God, you will be more glorious than any angelic being you have ever seen or imagined on this planet when God glorifies you and he does it in the church. You are not an ordinary person. You are an ambassador of Christ. The lost are not ordinary people. They are immortal souls. You are to plunder hell and populate heaven. We are to reach one hand into gutter, the gutter and another into glory and bring them together to the cross of Jesus Christ. And I know some people don't like the idea that they're in a gutter because they have a lot of money and they look good on the outside, but their soul is in a gutter. We have to be willing to touch the untouchable, reach the unreachable. Amen. We have to be willing to be world changers, history makers, and chain breakers. That's the call of Jesus Christ. Do you see the harvest? Or do you only see what you're looking at right now as, you know, your job and this is this dude I don't like, this coworker or this fellow student? No, see them as immortal souls. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. This is why we teach this to everybody. Everybody has to be a disciple that makes disciples. Everybody needs to go out and preach. Why let the Jehovah Witnesses outwitness us? They're still going to hell because they have a false doctrine. We are the ones that have the truth. Let them not out knock on doors, outwitness us, outstand out in front of the street corners. You know you see them out there at the bus stops. I saw them in the, uh, the airport with their little material out there. Let us be the light shining in a dark world. Let us be the salt of this earth. Amen. Amen. And you may say, Pastor, but if I don't, will I still go to heaven? Yes, you will. You just won't take a lot of people with you. Yes, you can go to heaven without witnessing, but you won't take a lot of people with you. I want to bring this city with me. Amen. Look at what Jesus said. After the Lord had appointed 72 others. Remember, there was more than just 12 disciples. There was also women a part of this group as well. And at his resurrection, 500 saw him raised from the dead. So it says 72 others. He had sent them out two by two ahead of him to go to every town and place where he was about ready to go. He told them the harvest is what? Plentiful, but the workers are isn't that the opposite today? People say, oh, man, the, you know, there, there's too much uh, going on out here, too much problems, too many issues. Jesus didn't see the world like that. He said, man, there's so much people to win for the Lord, I don't got enough to do it with. Come on, somebody. Stop looking at all the problems. Let's pray for all the laborers to fix the problems. You're placed on your job to be a problem solver. You're placed in your community to be a problem solver. Bring the kingdom of God there. And he said, ask the Lord. Look at what it says. Same thing as it says before here. Ask me for the nations in Psalms 2. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you. Connect, mentor, send. Go, I am sending you. Here's the part that gets a little scary. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. You may get eaten up out here, but I'm sending you. Rejoice when you get persecuted. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. One of the greatest testimonies the early church had was that we were willing to die for our faith. 
I remember one of my friends telling me he was on a mission trip, or, or rather a, a man I was listening to. I don't quite know him as a friend, so I don't want to put it out there. But uh, this guy I was listening to on the radio, who I listened to quite a, a lot, Dr. Michael Brown, he said, I was in India, and we were preaching the gospel, and the Hindu radicals began to come. They got angry with us. They, they told us to stop. They started throwing things at the people, and then they threatened the pastor. And I could see, you know, the discussion of them yelling at the pastor, and then the pastor just kind of waved his hand like this, or whatever, and then walked away, and then they walked away, and so he asked him, uh, the pastor, what had happened, and he said, the guy told me that, you know, if we don't leave, he's going to, uh, you know, do all of these things, and he kept going on and on. He says, I interrupted him, I looked him in the eyes, and he says, I'm willing to die for this gospel. And then the man just stopped and he walked away from him. You see, that's the faith of many in the, in the country of India. That's why I wear this for the representation of the, the persecuted church. And I always give them out to free, free for those of you who want them. I keep a bunch in the office because we need to understand we got to lay down our life for this. we got to lay down our life for the gospel. If people around the world, 100,000 a year are dying for their faith in North Korea, in communist countries, in regimes that hate the gospel, Muslim nations, socialistic nations, how much more should we be willing to preach the gospel here? Amen? You will be like lambs among wolves, but when you come to rule and reign, you will be kings and priests. And Jesus says they can't take you until it's your time to go. So walk in boldness. Amen? Here's, here's another thing. Jim Elliott said, a great missionary to Central America, he said, a fool is one who tries to keep what he cannot have. A wise man is someone who lets go of what he cannot keep. You can't keep your life anyway. Don't be a fool and try to hold on to it. Let go of it and you'll get it back in Jesus' name. Amen? And so here's what I want you to do as we get to the message. Everybody go, that was just the introduction. Here's what I want you to do as we get to the message, is I want you to look at the 100,000 disciples in Chicago with the 50 churches of 500 around the world as your not just ambition, but a desire birth from God, that the Holy Spirit says through you, I will make a difference in this world. So it can't just be what Joe is going to do, what a few pastors are going to do. We all have to say we're going to do this. Now, this is where I get a little sassy, and I say, if you don't want to do this, go to another church and do their goal, right? Well, our goal is to have another Easter play this year, and our goal is to start more of the, okay, we'll go fulfill their goals. But whatever you do, don't sit on the pew and do nothing. So if this is your church and where God has planted you, let this be your vision. Make it personal. I will make disciples. I will give of my resources and time so that the churches can be planted. And not only here, but around the world. Because what has God done in this church in your life? What has happened in your life? There are people saved in this church. Don't you want more people to be saved? God has restored young people back to their parents. Many of our young people now get along with their family, are no longer in gangs. Don't you want more young people saved off the streets? How many of you has God rid you of addiction, of oppression, maybe depression or things like that? And now don't you want others to know that, to have that same freedom? Well, you sat in a chair that was already paid for. You came to hear a preacher that was already sent out. It's now your turn to pay for the next chair. It's now your turn to be another preacher sent out to witness to your friends and family. Can I get an amen? So much to think about there. The means of how we get to the goal count, doesn't it? Because if I turn these poles into stripper poles and I said, let's get some people watching girls strip, maybe some guys stripping as well, how many know the numbers don't matter then? How many know not all growth is good growth? How many know you can have a tumor growing really fast and muscles growing really slow? How many know muscles seem to grow slow sometimes? How many know bellies seem to grow faster than muscles? 
Hello, I got a big muscle right here. Hey, come on. So we know that can be true in church as well. Oh, we've got so many people. We've got so many people. Yeah, but they're all just an inch deep and a mile wide. We've got so many people, so many people. Yeah, but they're immature, could never fight the devil. See, if the devil can't stop us from going to heaven, he'll at least stop us from being effective upon the earth. So the question is, do we want to choose the method that we need to have to reach the goal? The method is discipleship. You know as well as I do, and I don't say this in boast. I just say it merely as a fact. Let's just use another example before we get to me. Michael Jordan can ball, right? Stephen Curry can ball. You know, uh, you know LeBron James can ball. N- nothing wrong with that. How many know they can ball just as good or, anybody, or better than anybody here, right? Well, let me just put it in another way. I can pastor and preach just as good as any pastor you know. There is no preacher in this city that's better than me. I can preach as good as them all day long to the break of break of dawn. Are you listening to me? But you understand, my method of growing the church is not based on my preaching. The method of growing this church is based on discipleship. That is why so often people will come to me and say, Pastor, I love your preaching. I love this church. Don't want to do the discipleship. And then we say they go hand in hand. This is how we do it here. If you want just good preaching and not discipleship, go to another church. But this is the church based upon discipleship. Not being nosy, not being meddling in your business, not being hypocritical or religious or hypocritical, right? This is a true church built on discipleship. Not the only one. Never want to make you think that. But I'm just saying that's the call here. Somebody say right here. Amen. What does it look like? Here's a good little video with some little, little round figures that I think you'll like. Put up the volume for me, please, as we listen. Watch this cool video. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Amen. Now let's ask ourselves these questions. If the Son of God came in the flesh with all the wisdom of heaven and chose a method to build his church, do we have permission to change it? 
No, Jesus' method for building the church was discipleship. Did he call them 12 Christians? Did he call them 12 believers? What did he call them? 12 what? Disciples. Over 230 times the word disciple is used in the Bible. Christian only a few times. Believer only a few times. We are to be disciples. The word disciple means a follower, a student of a master. Jesus is our Lord and master. When we follow him, we'll do what he did. We'll see the world the way he saw it and we'll participate in the kingdom of God. What does 100,000 people look like in Chicago? Did you know that in 1962, Billy Graham did a crusade in Chicago that had 116,000 people. This will be our meeting then in the future with our church. So as I'm doing our annual meeting now, this is where it will be held in January 2020 or whatever. Are you with me? 100,000 disciples. God do it. Every nation, tribe, and language. Look at the multicultural nature of this church. Look at the multi-generations in this church, male and female, all being empowered to serve Jesus Christ. God can do it in Chicago. 50 churches around Chicago, just as a simple way to look at it, is 50 wards. As we grow from this one, we can go to another one. I don't know if one will grow big fast to hold 2,000, then we'll grow the next 2,000, or if we plant 50 small ones and then they all grow to 2,000. I don't know how it will look, but I know what it's going to look like when we get to our ideal campuses. We will have ideal campuses, as I shared you with before, each one of them having the schools for the community, the social programs, the Bible college, the sanctuaries, the recreational centers, and the fields, we will give the Roman Catholics a run for their money. They aren't the only ones that can have schools and land in this city. Amen? We will take back the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association, the YWCA, and use it for the glory of God. Someone had to believe at one point those things could be done. Let's believe these things can be done. Amen? And what do 500 churches look like around the world? God has given us a heart for what's known as the 1040 window. Longitude and latitude is how we look at the world. And these are the latitudinal marks of 10 and 40. These are the primary places where people either have never heard the gospel one time or they are in a place where the gospel is illegal. Three billion of our seven billion world live right here. Three billion, almost half of the world lives right here. Just in China and India alone are over two billion people. These are the places where communism has reigned in China, in the Middle East where Islam has been, in Northern Africa, and India with militant Hinduism. It is illegal in all of these countries to convert someone to your religion. All of them make it illegal. Islam, do it. Hindus do it, and the Chinese, Buddhist, socialistic empires do it as well. In North Korea, it is illegal. People right now in China are being arrested, and they have tens of thousands of members. Look up on your phones right now, tearing down crosses in China. They were getting a little bit more freedom, then they saw the churches growing, and then they started tearing down their crosses just a few years ago. In India, just a month ago, there was over 30 churches burned, and the pastors beaten, and some of them killed. In the Middle East, right now, in Syria and the places where ISIS is, is the worst place to be a Christian. And in northern Africa are the places where you hear of human slavery still happening while the black Muslims oppress the black Christians. But thankfully, the gospel is still growing in Ethiopia and Dufar, Sudan and these places, and Nigeria and many others. As I show you a video in Nigeria, they are taking back these lands from the Muslims, not through force, but through conversion. You have to remember your history. The Muslims 
Muslims took these lands by force and forced the Christians to become Muslim. Now we're winning them back in Christianity. Do you want to see what it looks like in one of the biggest crusades right now in Lagos, Nigeria? Over a million people gathered together, speaking in tongues, praying to God, and believing for revival. I believe God can do it in America and in the nations. Watch this video right here with Reinhard Bonnke. Let's give it up for Jesus Fire. I had gotten that video off the internet, so it's very pixelated. But when you look at the actual pictures here in Nigeria, Lagos, he has set the record for the largest Christian meeting for the gospel. Over a million people heard the gospel, or excuse me, two million people heard the gospel, and one million people received Jesus Christ. I am telling you, the gospel is spreading around the nations, and the Lord can do it in Chicago. Do you believe it? I believe it, saints. It's time for us to make a goal that may scare us a little bit, but it's one that will cause us to trust in God and to say it's impossible with man, but it's possible with God. Reinhard Bonnke was just a missionary in Nigeria about ready to give up as he was doing his little tent crusades. Then he had a vision of a blood-washed Africa, literally like the African continent with blood coming down it. And he said the Lord told him he would wash over that continent with the blood of his son. And then he woke woke up that morning and started to believe and speak as we're speaking now and he began to fill up those tents until now he has the largest meetings you see it's not done by accident that you hit targets like this if you aim at nothing you'll hit it every time are you listening you have to set your target your bullseye and what you want in this life do that on your job do that with your family our goal is a hundred thousand young ji cho started with four people in south korea in a little old korean world war ii tent and there he started preaching we will build the largest church in Korea, and he has done it by God's grace. This is where we are now today, my friends. What are you going to do for Jesus? Can I get an amen? Amen. Rachel, would you come, please, or, or rather Jerry? And then, guys, would you bring out the board? I want to end with how we began, looking at what God did in 2016, but now going further into 2017. I know 100,000 disciples almost seems like it's too much, doesn't it? I mean, in the natural, I know many of us have faith now we can believe, especially after seeing Bonky's million-person crowd. You're like, I'm ready now. That's just a chunk of that, right? But I want everybody to see this in such a way that makes everything come clearly into line. I'm going to ask my wife, who's more beautiful to me than Vanna White ever was. Let's give it up for Boopster Boo as she comes. 
So you saw at the beginning that our average is 226, combined both services. Right now, as adults today, here in the first service, we have 95. You put a few of our children in the back, we'll be right around our average of 130. We'll see how many we have in the second service. So I want you to think about 95 of you achieving the goal of 100,000 with Jesus. The harvest is great. We see the need. Let's go do it. He told us to go do it, did he not? I'm going to show you right now how we can do it. So put up there, please, 2017, 95 disciples in the first service. There we go. You just put 2017 and put dash 95. Thank you, my beautiful wife. You ready? You're going to do that now for every year in the number I give you. Are you ready? If everybody right now, this year, today, says, I'll do what Jesus commanded me to do. I'll be a disciple that makes a disciple. That means you go through our training, you become who God calls you to be, and you do it. One disciple. That's it. All we have to do is now put 2018 there. We just take 95 times 2. Does everybody get that? 95 times 2. So 2018, this time next year, how many disciples should be there? 190. Do you get it? That's simple. That's all you did. Did you have to sell your house? Did you have to go live on a commune, share your wife, join a cult? Huh? Did you have to be at church seven days a week? Did your kids miss a meal? Did you stop wearing clothes? I mean, hello, are we Jim Jones somewhere, you know, running around naked? No. All you have to do, everybody get this, is do what Jesus said. Just be a disciple. That makes a disciple. Do you have to make 20 this year? Do you have to make 100? Do you have to make 10? Do you have to make 5? No, just make 1. And you may say, well, I don't know where 1 is. Well, go get you 1. Go evangelize. Evangelize disciple. Evangelize disciple. I'll do my little silly dance. Because it's like a silly question. Well, I don't know where another one I can make is. Well, go make, go find one to make one. Go reach one to teach one. Okay, so then we all show up, 2018, 190 of us. Now we do that same thing again. 190 times two is how much? 380. We do it again as my wife tries to keep up here. We'll have 760. We do it again, 1,520. Now just stop right here. One, two, three, four years, we are already right, running 1,500. We are already a mega church by people's standard, but we didn't do it because pastor be preaching so good. He be getting us all excited. You're going to make it. This is your year. I got a prophetic blessing for you right now. I got it for you. God told me to tell you this. Get ready. Get ready. It's coming. Your blessing is coming. Or, or to do it another way. God bless everybody here. Just want to tell you something out of the Bible today. You can make it. You can make it. I know sometimes you don't think you can make it, but I'm here to tell you you can make it. Now, we could do that, but where's the depth? Where's the accountability? Where's the character change? Where's the influence to this culture, society, to our family, right? So we, we can hit those numbers, but we're going to hit it a different way with a different method, right? Then we do 1,520 to the next year, 3,040. Then to the next year, 6,080. 
Then to the next year, 12,000. We're probably one of the top five churches in the city at that point. The next one, we're at 12,600 what and 20? Let me go back to 6,080. There we go. 12,160. Now 24,320. We're now as big as Willow Creek, one of the largest churches in the nation. One more time, 48,640. Now we're bigger than Joel Osteen. And one more time, 48,640 times two. We're at 97,280. Do you understand? Let's just look at this. We're in 2017 right now. Just put numbers next. Let's put one. No, right here. Start here. One. Go down. Two. Three. Four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. In ten years from right now, we can reach a hundred thousand. Come on, somebody, let's give it up for Jesus. You may be smart because some of y'all been in businesses like this and somebody showed up at your house. I just want to hang out with you. And then all of a sudden they said, you can be a millionaire selling vitamins. And you were like, hold on, I just wanted to hang out with you. No, 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 let me show you a pyramid scheme. See, some of you may get discouraged by that. But listen, this is where multiplication comes from. Not Amway, not Herbalife. This is how Jesus told us to change the world. Not Mary Kay. That's okay, those businesses work. But does everybody understand? This was Jesus' principle. So you're literally looking at a vision, a strategy, and a goal that can be accomplished by 2027. I will be 50 years old then. 10 years from now, how old will you be? And all we have to do, listen, for those of you who have been with me for quite some time, is just do what you've been doing every year. That's it. See, Jesus didn't tell us to do something we couldn't do. Now, do you think 97,000 disciples in the city will change Chicago? Do you think there's some aldermen's in there? Do you think there's a mayor in there? Come on. Do you think that there's some good people that are judges in there? How about some good business owners? How about some creative people in there? How about some sheriffs and uh, some police officers in there? That's how we change the world. Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus. Amen. It's all about Jesus. Come on. Let's give it up for Jesus today. Can I show you a little cute way of how we can end it right here? A hundred thousand. How do you get a hundred thousand? You get a bunch of zeros to go to the one hero. Oh, snap. <laughs> Gentlemen, would you please move this, brother? Thank you. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? All you do is get a bunch of zeros. Not that we're insignificant, but by ourselves, we're nothing without God. You get my point with that. Amen. Does anybody get my point on that? Okay, because I'm not saying you're a zero without significance. It's just without God, you're nothing. You don't have any abilities. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you'll speak this now directly to our hearts to cause us to be leaders and disciples that make disciples. With every head bowed and eyes closed, will you be honest with yourself? Are you first and foremost a follower of Jesus? If you haven't, then be born again right now. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life as the Lord, the master of all that you do. Just make that declaration, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Those of you who are already living for God, just say it out loud. Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. I love you. Now tell them in your own words a few moments because we're not here to just be Jesus' little minions. We're in partnership with him.
We're not here to just be busy little bees. We're here to actually do this relationally with Him. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. In me, you, in me, you, without me, you can't do nothing. In me, you will bear much fruit, and it will be to the glory of my Father. So the fruit that we bear as disciples, it is from relationship engrafted in. Now in your own words, as I pray for my life this year, will you focus on your goals, starting with the goals of the kingdom? The goals of the kingdom. You see, remember, kingdom comes first. Being a disciple that makes disciples and his righteousness comes first. From that point, then ask him to bless your business. Then from that point, ask him to bless your family. But let us leave, let us not leave out of here without putting first the goal of the kingdom. Go into all the world and make disciples that make disciples of the nations. Woo! Jesus. Jesus. We are disciples who make disciples of the nations. We are disciples who make disciples of the nations. Come on, help me sing it out. As they pray, sing it out, band. Pray today for your goals to come through the kingdom. Jesus, your goals will come through the kingdom today. Of the Come on, let's pray a few moments before we leave. A few moments before we leave, let's pray. Jesus, use us. Use us, God. Jesus. Amen. Every parent, raise up your hands with me right now. I'm going to pray for parents. Lord, make them disciples that make disciples first and foremost in their homes right now. We pray for parents to be disciples that make disciples right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every child living at home, you're still under the covering of your parents. Throw up your hands right now, kids. We're going to pray for you. I pray every young person is a disciple that makes disciples in their homes. Whether their parents come to church or not, they will win their favor over by being obedient, by doing well in school, by staying out of trouble and living for Jesus. Come on, bless these young people right now, right now. Everybody that goes to a job tomorrow or this week, raise up your hands right Right now, I'm praying for you. Whether you own your own business or you're working for somebody right now, I pray for every employee to work as it is unto Christ. For every boss to teach their employees as Christ teaches, treats us. Right now, I pray for disciples to be made on our jobs. Right now, in the name of Jesus. And lastly, everybody, raise up your hands. Come on and say, God, use me in my community, with my neighbors, those I shop with at the grocery store, everywhere I go. Right now, Jesus. Right now, Lord, I want to be a disciple that makes disciples of the nations. Come on. Right now, hands raised. Say, we are disciples. Disciples. Come on, everybody say, we are disciples. We are disciples that make disciples of the nations. Oh, we are. We are disciples who make disciples. 
just a few more times as a declaration. We are disciples that make disciples of the nation. One more time, we are. We are disciples that make disciples of the nation. Amen. Father, I ask that as we get ready to leave, we don't forget this word or this series. But we are those disciples that make disciples. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen one more time? Let's bless him. Come on and bless him. Amen. God bless you. Slap your neighbor high five and say, let's do it. Enjoy your week. Come get prayer if you need it for any reason. We're going to keep worshiping together. Have a wonderful week making disciples that make disciples. Come on. If you got to go, be safe and make disciples. If you want to stay, come on, pray with us. Either way, be a disciple. Jesus. Use us, Lord. Use us. One more time. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. For thine is the kingdom. For thine is the kingdom. The power.